3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Iaz is not with me this week, but I'm joined by a very good replacement, the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, thanks once again for coming on the show. Thanks for replacing Iaz once again. (laughs) Not a problem, man. You know, anything for my people. (laughs) Thank you very much, Eddie. Right, getting straight down to business now for the review part of the show. We're going to start in a place called the Horden Pavilion in Sydney, Australia. Um, We're going to start here with Tim Tzu. Uh, that's obviously the son of former world champion Costa Zou. He's now 12-0. and He picked up here. and Sorry, he didn't pick up here. He, he defended successfully his interim WBA Oceana super welterweight title against Denton Vassell, Britain's very own, uh, 25-6 and now. He, he lost, actually, Denton Vassell. He got TKO'd in the second round, so Tim tazoo certainly seems to be one to watch for the, for the future. Uh, moving out now to France in Paris. Um, Olympian, if I'm not mistaken, I think he picked up a medal. It could have been the silver, could have been the bronze in the 2016 Olympics. Solomon Sissoko, now 8-0. A TKO in the third round against Romain Garofalo, who's now 14-4. and uh, That one was for the vacant French super welterweight title. Moving out now to Germany. One fight really to mention over here. Christina Hammer, uh, the, the middleweight world champion I'm, I'm pretty sure she still holds the titles but it was a non-title bout here she moves to 24 and 0 a TKO in the second round against Eileen Sick Mashvili who's now 8 and 8 that really sets up Christina Hammer versus Clarissa Shields a serious unification in the middleweight division there um, I've spoken to Clarissa Shields apparently that fight is pretty much done for April 13th it could have even been officially announced uh, I'm not too sure about that but yeah we will have Clarissa on the show uh, perhaps next week or the week after that. So that's a massive fight there for the female side of the sport. Moving out now though to the Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Two fights to mention, or three. Uh, James Tennyson, former world title challenger, like I say, got stopped by Tevin Farmer. He moved to 23-3. and He had his man down twice in the second round and out. Um, Gary Neal, the opponent, 10-0 and undefeated. He lost his O here. Like I say, a second round knockout there to James Tennyson. Uh, Paul Highland Jr. picked up win number 20. Only one loss, of course, came to Lewis Ritson. Um, a win here over Miroslav Serban, who's now 10-2. Points win over eight rounds for Paul Highland Jr., but he went down in the fifth round himself. So, that one's pretty, uh, pretty problematic for him, really. I think he's... I don't think he takes a punch fantastically. Paul Highland Jr., that's my criticism to him. But a good fighter nonetheless. Also on the bill, Tommy McCarthy moved to 13-1. and A points win over eight rounds against Giri Svassina, a journeyman now 13-34. and So like I say... Uh, Tommy McCarthy 13 and 1 still a good cruiserweight prospect. Moving out now though to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Um Eddie they've they've changed the name of this venue a few times. I believe it's the same venue that you fought Gerald Washington in. Is that right? The Dignity Health It was a stub hub when I fought him yeah. stub hub center. Yeah. Did you happen to see anything on this card? Um mainly the Javante Davis uh win?
1: No, you know what I missed it. I you know I was I was actually going to be home to see it. But, of course, just like every other day in my life, (laughs) recently I've been so busy doing so many things. If it's not training, training guys, it's working. You know what I mean? So it's been really difficult for me to sometimes actually sit down and watch it. But I'm going to take a look at it soon. I've been wanting to see it because I know, you know, I've heard some things, good and bad, about it. I mean, there's not a lot to critique when you win. uh, You know what I mean? convincingly. But I still want to take a look at it because, you know, educated eyes generally can make uh you know a different assumption you know that different uh you uh, have, have a different understanding than sometimes just you know just
3: folks who watch boxing, you know what I mean? And um yeah, a, a very convincing win it was a first round knockout for Javante Davis. He knocked out Hugo <laughs> right. Ruiz, a man who well, I mean there's a bit of a backstory. I mean Hugo Ruiz is actually I believe he's a super bantamweight but he moved up a weight to fight at featherweight on the Pacquiao Broner undercard and here just three weeks later he moved up in weight once again to 130 super featherweight to take on uh, to take on Gervonta Davis it wasn't really Gervonta's fault of course Abner Marez pulled out of the fight and in stepped Hugo Ruiz he was searching for win number 40 but it wasn't to be he's now 30 and 5. Like I say, a knockout in the first round. Um, another knockout there for Javante Davis. I think he's only been the distance once. Um, but yeah, I mean the fight itself not too much really to say about it. A, a good start to the round really from Javante. He was leading with his left hand um, he's, he's full of power I mean Hugo Ruiz was constantly being pushed back and after taking a few flush shots he took a knee and he didn't want to know I mean referee Jack Reese was asking him do you want to continue I think he was saying it in Spanish and um, you know Hugo Ruiz was just looking at Jack Reese and not responding and he basically quit to be honest I mean I can't say it was surprising like I say the man was a super bantamweight and um, we do need to see Javante back very quickly you know this showing wasn't really enough for the whole of 2019, just the one round. We need him back, um, and preferably before the summer. On the undercard, though, of Gervonta's uh, fight there, we saw Ericsson Lubin take on Ishae Smith. Ericsson Lubin, the young prospect, one loss to Charlo. No real shame in that um 19 and 1 like i say got in there against Eshay Smith 29 and 10 a veteran of the game really Eshay Smith a man that had never been stopped and i did often wonder the day he does get stopped will he you know, have a long, hard think about his career, and perhaps retire and That is exactly what happened. Unfortunately, he retired on his store after three rounds, his corner pulled him out, he was down, I believe it was two or three times, and he was down in the uh, in the third round just once, and like I say, the referee um accepted the retirement of the corner after round three, so he didn't come out for round four e a smith now twenty nine and eleven and that is how it ends a forty fight. A uh, 40-fight career there, of course. He became a world champion, so there's no no shame in that. You can't really knock the guy. Even being 40 years of age, He still mixed it with some of the toughest guys, some of the best prospects in the 154 division. So all credit to Ishe Smith. He's decided to, to retire from boxing, a friend of the show. Erickson Lubin, 20-1, and one, and that's a great, great win. It's got to be the best win of his career for sure. Uh, also on the bill, we saw Sharif Bagheer, uh 32-1. and one. He actually got dropped in the sixth round, but he ended up getting back up and losing unanimously over 10 to Javier Fortuna, who's now 34-2 and with one draw. No real surprise there, to be honest. Uh, prospect Mario Barrios, 23-0 now, a knockout in the fourth round against Richard Zamora. Zamora, tough Mexican, but it wasn't to be his night. Um, 19-3 now. Mario Barrios, really, really impressing me, I have to say. Um, all the very best to him. Moving out now though to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. Topping the bill over here, we saw Ray Vargas 32-0, another successful defense of his WBC World Super Bantamweight title. Um, he beat unanimously over 12 rounds. Franklin Manzin Well, let me say this again. Franklin Manzanilla, who's now 18 and 5. It was looked at as a little bit of an easy touch for Ray Vargas, but it wasn't to be an easy touch. He was dropped in the second round. And Vargas, who's, like I say, still undefeated, 33-0, and WBC world champion. Everything's going great for him. That's the third time he's been dropped. And every single time he's been dropped has been in the second round. So, seems to be a bit of a danger round for him there. Moving down the undercard, Alberto Machado or Machado. I'm not quite sure how he said. 21-0. and He was the WBA world super featherweight champion. Well, anyway, uh, a, a shock upset loss. He got knocked out in four rounds against Andrew Cancio who was 19-4 and with two draws so a big upset there. Um, Cancio obviously a lot better than people gave him credit for. Cancio himself was down in the first round. He got back up to knock the champion down three times in the fourth round and he's defhroned him there so a humongous upset there. Joseph Jojo Diaz picked up win number 28. He's got that one sole loss to Gary Russell Jr. Um, he took on Charles Huerta who's now 20 and 6, a 10 round unanimous decision there for Jojo Diaz. Uh, not much else really to mention on the undercard, aside from Turiano Johnson. 20 and 2, he took on Fernando Castaneda, a man that's been in there with the likes of Jose Burton, the likes of Frank Buglioni. Those guys have managed to knock him out. Well, anyway, he went in the distance with Turiano Johnson, who can punch as well. I'd, I'd expect him to really get the knockout, but it ended up being a split draw over eight rounds. So that's a bit of a strange one there. Uh, moving out now, though, to the Save Mart Arena, the final bill to mention of the review part of the show. It was in Fresno, California. Three big American shows all took place in the state of California. There's a little fact for you. Um, let's start with the undercard here. We saw Joel Diaz Jr., and 24-1. He was a good prospect till he ran into Regis Progray and got dropped four times in two rounds. But that was that. I think he had one or two wins since then. And he got in here against Christian Correa. 28 wins, 7 losses and 2 draws. Not the best looking resume on paper. Well, anyway... Correa, another upset here, um, he, he was able to actually knock out Joel Diaz Jr. in three rounds, so that was pretty shocking, I spoke to Regis Prograde just after the fight, I said, wow, did you see that, that was incredible, and Regis said that he personally thinks he ruined Joel Diaz Jr., well, like I said on last week's show, the two guys have gone in completely different directions. Regis beat the hell out of Joel Diaz Jr. Now look at Regis—he's at the top of the world, undefeated, um, one of the best in the 140 division, if not the best. And Joel Diaz Jr. just seemed to go right down. And another showing of it I, like I said it on last week's show—he's he's gone in a completely different direction to Regis, and here it's an even worse, an even worse position for him. Uh, also on the bill, we saw Andy Vences move to 22 and 0 with that. That one draw, a win over eight rounds against Dardan Zenunaj. Um, that was a points win over eight, like I say. Saul Rodriguez Neno, his nickname. He picked up a KO in the fifth round against Aelio Mesquita, now 17-4. and four. So, Saul Rodriguez now 23-0 and 0 with that one draw. Um, Genesis Savania, this is an interesting one. 32 wins, one loss. The one loss came to Oscar Valdez. A real good fight, a great account of himself he gave a Against Valdez. He fought here for the vacant WBC Continental America's Super Bantamweight title. He took on the young prospect Carlos Castro, 21 and 0. I think he's only 22 or 23 years of age. And I felt like it was a real tough test to give to a young guy. I mean, like I say, Savania gave a great fight to, uh, you know, an established, hardened, tough world champion, Oscar Valdez. But it wasn't to be for him. Carlos Castro, for me, now becomes a real prospect to keep an eye on. A 10-round unanimous decision there over Savania. Um, so that's, that's brilliant there. Carlos Castro, 22-0. and Also on the bill, we saw Raimundo Beltran, 35-8, and with one draw fight for the vacant WB. Continental America's super lightweight title and the vacant WBO Intercontinental super lightweight title against Japan's very own undefeated Hiroki Okada, nineteen and zero. Now Okada was actually winning the fight pretty clearly. You know He was he was down in the first round, he got off to a bit of a rocky start, but after that he got to his boxing, he was really performing well, and it looked like he was going on to win, he had Beltran's face looking a real mess, but Beltran was able to get that knockout in the ninth round, he had his man down twice in that round, he completely got the, the fight beaten out of him really, and Beltran once again shows his tremendous heart, like I say, that is the one thing he really does have, um, boxes and boxes of, a friend of the show, Beltran, a guy that's really really had to fight not just inside the ring, but also outside the ring in a search for a green card, just to keep himself with his family in the United States, a real unfortunate situation and then Jose Carlos Ramirez, 23-0 and 0, took on Jose Zapida, 30-1 Zapida's one loss came to Terry Flanagan when he when he uh, dislocated his shoulder, so not really a proper loss when you look at that, so it was set to be a good fight on paper, and it was a good fight, it translated into a good fight like I say, for Ramirez's WBC World Super, like Weight title. It ended up being a majority decision over 12 rounds in favour of the champion Ramirez. Um Many people dispute this. A lot of people online are kind of well, they're split. They're 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 straying. They're they're going left and right. Not quite sure who to give it to. Some people say Zapida got robbed. I don't think it was. You know, it was enough to say it was a robbery. I think it was very close for me. I think Ramirez probably did shade it. Um, I'm pleased for him though, because I was saying on last week's show, just at the very end of the show, if anyone did listen that far, that Ramirez had given away 1,000 tickets to cancer patients and you know he'd also donated his his gloves and shorts and stuff that he'd wore um, previously in other fights I believe he put it all up for auction and raised money for a fantastic um, cancer hospice so credit to him Um, I'm a fan of his and all the very best to him going forward but that's really it for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part one the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA heavyweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Lucas Brown. Lucas, welcome back on the show, big man.
0: Thank you for having me, mate.
3: Thank you. It's always a pleasure. So, Lucas, we last spoke back in July. Um, Since then, of course, you've had two fights, both wins, both knockouts within five rounds. How's it felt to get back in the ring, obviously, following that, that defeat to White just under a year ago now?
0: it's it's very good to get back in the ring um i realized that they're not world class of any sort but um there were things that i needed to do on my side in regards obviously fitness uh there was a new trainer um a lot of things going on in my camp and stuff like that um as well as the team around me that were getting fixed as well so the the Dylan White loss for me was a very good eye-opener. Um, unfortunately, it was on the world stage, so it wasn't a good uh, thing for me to, to have everyone else watch at the same time. But uh, something that needed to happen, and it really woke me up um, in regards to having to change a few things. I think the changes have been uh, very good. And as you said, I've had two knockouts since. And coming up March 2nd uh, in Scotland to go for another one.
3: And one guy that you fought in in those two fights I should mention was seven foot one. What was that like, Lucas?
0: Yeah, that's actually uh, is it, the tallest I believe is the tallest boxer um, i don't remember, in history, but like at the moment anyway. Um, and also one hundred and forty one kilos, so just a lot of weight as well. Um, there was times where he, he was leaning on me and then pushing me around and stuff like that, and it's just a lot of weight to sort of carry around now. You look at someone like Big Baby, he's also that same weight. So it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to sort of try and keep off you at the same time.
3: <laughs> and obviously another thing that's happened since we last spoke is that Wilder took on Tyson Fury. You're a realist when it comes to boxing. You're unbiased. Um, in your opinion, who who won that fight for you? I think because Wilder
0: is the champion... I think you do have to come and beat the champion. Now, I don't think Fury beat the champion. So, whether it was a draw or a Wilder win, I don't think Fury won the fight. Um, I think there was a it was a great fight, uh, but I think I don't think that Fury actually came and dominantly won the fight. So, I, I would give it to Wilder.
3: Okay. And I know that obviously before that fight, you'd done a couple rounds with Tyson himself. Um, were you surprised by his performance? Because he seemed in many people's eyes to perform really well, despite not really being in tip-top shape. But obviously, because you'd done a few rounds with him, did it did it shock you seeing him perform like that? Or was he that good in the gym? Um,
0: t- to be honest... The rounds that we did, I think we did six or seven rounds. um, They were pretty much a piss take. He was he was throwing, spinning back elbows on me and all sorts of stuff. But the guy is an absolute talent. Like he's six foot nine, long as hell, and and can fight like he's about six foot one. So I wasn't surprised how good he is. Um, I know how hard it is to hit him as well. Um, But again, Wilder is six foot eight himself, and, and and very long himself. So. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised in any way, and I think he's an absolute talent uh, when it comes to boxing.
3: And a rematch between those two guys is looking ever more likely. Um, who would you favor going into that one?
0: I personally, uh, looking at Wilder's um, past fights, like he, he came up against a burn and went the distance. But then the next time he came up against a burn, he absolutely demolished him. Now, I think that was also Stephen's, uh doing in terms of not rocking up in the proper shape. But I think Wilder was very tentative against uh, Fury the first time, and I don't think he will be the second time. So I- I'm picking Wilder for a- an earlier knockout.
3: Okay, and yourself and Dave Allen have, have, have had some back and forth. A fight between the pair of you has been pretty much all but announced. Um, however, of course, you felt that you'd probably benefit from a fight before that. Uh, and the opponent that you've selected will be Camille Sokolowski. Uh, that's that's to to take place on March the 2nd, as you say, in Scotland. Um, what do you know about Sokolowski?
0: Yep. Basically, I, I picked him because uh, unfortunately, his record looks quite shit, to be honest. It's six wins and 14 losses. But he is so much better than what his record suggests. Um, and he has gone the distance with a lot of people. Like you, you, we, We're talking Gorman, Price, Little, uh, Sean Turnite, like the, the the list goes on, um, as well as recently just knocking out uh, Webb. So like he's is so much better than what his uh, record suggests. At the same time, I don't want to go up against someone who's just going to fall over in the first round. So, for me, if it goes six rounds, that's all well and good. I, I want to get the rounds under my belt and and be able to sort of showcase a few different things going into the, the Allen fight. Um, and I think it's a perfect warm-up preparation for Allen fight.
3: And Sokolowski, like I say, he's very much a well-respected journeyman, and in fact, even calling him a journeyman probably doesn't feel right because I've seen him upset uh, a few fighters. I've, I've been ringside for him uh, for a few of his fights. I've seen him knock people out. it's it's an odd kind of choice of opponent i mean dave allen's tweeted out i think it was last week or perhaps this week that he's very much against you even fighting sokolowski and i believe he also stated that eddie hearn feels it's a bit of a silly fight to make as sokolowski such a banana skin type of fighter so tell me um lucas of all the guys i know you kind of just explained it there but of all the guys why this fight surely it's quite risky well uh
0: it comes down to promoters as well and uh i was saying someone like a tom little i think that would have been a good fight um now i don't know whether tom priced himself out or the promoter just wasn't happy with the price but um that didn't come about they actually put forward someone that was owen two now owen two is just that that was never going to happen whether uh, the board approved it or not which they didn't thank christ but uh I would, I would have said no to that anyway. So when they come up with Sokolowski, I, I jumped at that and thought, yes, that's, that's a, at least a great fight, especially compared to someone who's Owen 2
3: And tell us, Lucas, this Dave Allen fight, where are we with it? What's actually the latest?
0: Well, it was supposed to be on the um, AJ card when it was at Wembley. Now, as we know, it's not going to be Wembley. It's going to be against Miller uh, in the U.S., so I believe, uh, from what I've been told, nothing has been confirmed yet, but uh, April 20 at the O2 on the White undercard. Okay,
3: because I think, I'm not 100%, but I think I saw something that Eddie apparently stated that perhaps White's now not going to be fighting on, on, on the 20th, but um, don't, oh. don't don't take much notice from that. I, I'm not too sure if that's official. Um yeah. yeah. What, what are your thoughts, Lucas, on Dave Allen as a fighter? And of course, as a man, he's quite a personality outside of the ring.
0: Yeah. Um, absolute legend. Uh, we've got some good pants going backwards and forwards, which is great. I think it's going to be two just genuine fellas who like to box and no bullshit, no, no um, trash talking, just come forward and fight. Um, I believe he's, a, he's quite a good boxer. Um, I, I think he's... He sort of lets himself down a little bit with, with training, I think, with uh, the shape that he may come in for particular fights. But I definitely think he's a, he's a great guy and a great boxer, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
3: And it's official. You, you mentioned it there. Joshua will be defending his titles against Jarrell Big Baby Miller on June the 1st in New York. How do you see that one playing out?
0: To be honest, that's a, it is a real weird one for me. Um, I, I obviously think that AJ's got the better boxing skills, and coming in at say one eleven or one twelve kilos, which what he normally does, um, I think he's going to be the fitter one. But big baby, being that one hundred and forty kilos and constant pressure, constantly coming forward, um, he's got a great chin, but does get hit a lot. So I I, I put it as a fifty fifty because I don't think we've seen AJ get pressured by someone as big as that um, in the past. So it'll be a good test for AJ to see if he can come through that. Um, In saying that, as I said, Miller gets hit a lot. So AJ does have the opportunity to sort of knock him out as well. But um, I I put it as a 50-50, to be honest.
3: And the final two questions now, Lucas. Um, obviously you've decided to 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 come off of Twitter entirely. You're you're just um, operating on Instagram now, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. What's the reasons behind that? I know that it's uh, <laughs> I know what it is. Really, it's the UK fans that seem to get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: t-
0: t- to be honest, yeah, uh, I've I've only got onto Twitter because uh, that was basically Ricky Hatton's main forum, um, and that's why I jumped on. Uh, For me as well, it was very much a UK uh, base for me. But I just got sick of having to read the bullshit coming out of... And I said, 90% of the bullshit came from the UK. Now, I'm not saying it's all UK people and all that sort of stuff, but the bullshit that I got was from the UK. And um, I just got sick of looking at it, viewing it and everything else. So just got rid of it, yeah.
3: Did you never just consider blocking all these people though?
0: Dude, I, 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 in all honesty, like since the the world title fight and the drug scandal and all that sort of bullshit, I, I was blocking about ten to fifteen people a day, and and still to this day, I'm still blocking five or six people on Instagram per day. It's um, it's absolutely unreal. The the amount of uh, abuse and stuff that people just think, yeah, I'm gonna private message him and just abuse him and see what happens, and and it's, it's unreal. It's, it's absolutely unreal. Um. I know for a fact that not one of these people would say it to my face, because so I'll just drop them there and then. And and it's the beauty of social media and, and what happens in this day and age. But I just got sick of the abuse and the, and the crap, so I just got rid of it.
3: Fair play to you. And, Lucas, it's, it's Thursday now in the UK. It's Valentine's Day over here. Any message at all for Dave Allen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think of that. Um, very, very lovely. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to Dave Allen. Um, We've both got some nice uh, naked pictures up on, on Instagram at the moment, and it's all gone well. So, um, yeah, good luck to you, mate. Keep training, and love you <laughs> lot.
3: <laughs> okay, listen, Lucas, it's always a pleasure catching up, my friend. It really is. Best of luck with your upcoming fight on March the 2nd. We'll all look out for an announcement uh, for the Dave Allen showdown eventually, and no doubt we'll catch up soon afterwards.
0: Awesome, mate. Thank you very much.
3: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. So there's a few little things to go over. Firstly, David Price will be fighting on the Liverpool card uh, on March the 30th uh, in the Echo Arena. He takes on the undefeated Cash Alley, who's I believe 14 and 0, but he's strangely fighting this weekend in a little bit of a keep busy fight. So hopefully he wins that one, and then the fight will go ahead. So David Price, Cash Alley, 30th of March in Liverpool. Also, we have a uh, well, a world title fight that's happening at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Eddie. Um, Alexander Gvozdik uh, takes on a fighter called yeah. Dudu Ngumbu, who's um, supposed to be pretty decent. Um, well, I say pretty decent. I think it's probably uh, quite an easy win there for Gvozdik. I think Dudu's been in there with, um, who did he? he, fought a guy three times. Can't remember the guy's name now. And he lost all three fights to the guy. Um, Ooh, I think he also tough. lost to Andre Fonfara, who who actually this yeah. week has retired. You know, he had two two fights with Stevenson. He gave him a real fight in the first one, but then of course um looked terrible in the second one. Um and lastly, mm-hmm. we we must talk about the first of June um at the Madison Square Garden, New York, um USA. Anthony Joshua defends his IBF WBA and WBO mm-hmm. world titles against the undefeated uh, big Baby Miller, Jarrell Miller, Brooklyn's very own um fight, in Faietti. Yeah,
1: to say the least. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's um there's a lot with that fight. You know what I mean? You look at Big Baby and the things he's done in his recent fights, fighting um you know, other guys, even big guys, some you know, Joe Washington who's similar as far as size, well a little smaller, <laughs> let's just say thin- you know, with, with, as far as thickness than Anthony Joshua, but uh similar in height. Uh, obviously, a diff- pretty pretty, uh, pretty solid difference in skills, but the fight itself is just to me it comes down to you know can Big Baby take what Anthony Joshua was willing to give and then vice versa as well, because, I mean, it's, it's one thing to fight a guy that's, you know, a pretty big guy, you know, maybe even, you know, comfortable in size to, say, Anthony Joshua, maybe 250, 240, 200, you know, 250, 240 pounds. It's a, different, it's a different thing. It's a different monster altogether to fight somebody 300 pounds coming forward that, you know, isn't necessarily really slow, you know what I mean, and can punch and, and just tough mentally as well and, and super confident. It's going to be a really, really interesting fight. I tell you what. For as long as it lasts, it's going to be action-packed. I'm almost guaranteeing that somebody's going out of there soon. And, I mean, most people are going to lean, obviously, to Anthony Joshua, which is a safe pick. But, like I said, Big Baby's not getting in this fight for no reason. You know what I mean? He really feels that he has an opportunity to really do something something big. And um, I think he has a shot. I mean, you know, anybody who gets in there has a puncher's chance. But I think, you know, his size and, and his skill set, does somewhat pose a problem for Anthony Joshua in a sense, but you know they're both, you know, kind of comparable in height. But um, you know, a big baby coming in at 300 pounds adds that extra, extra weight. It's like he got a refrigerator on his back coming forward, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really, really tough to at least keep him from coming in. Unless, of course, Anthony Joshua lands that shot that puts him, puts him on his knees, which is, uh, which is possible.
3: Yeah, very intriguing fight. You you mentioned there, Eddie, um, mm-hmm. the Clash of Styles is quite interesting. Obviously, uh, Jarrell Big mm-hmm. Baby Miller is a guy that I'd imagine is extremely hard to try and get sparring partners in to replicate because of that size. Mm-hmm. Not just... Obviously, the mm-hmm. height, but also how grounded he is. And he's also got a real solid mm-hmm. chin. He seems to have been been mm-hmm. hit a few times and took the shots well. He's obviously got a kickboxing background. I think he's been kicked in the head before and not knocked out. So, mm-hmm. good chin. Um... As I say, mm-hmm. I'll talk more in depth about it as it as it as it rolls round. It's, it's all the way in June, so a little while to wait. But um, you know, without going off in a different direction, I actually prefer this fight than the Dilliam White fight, and the reason is because I feel like we've already seen mm-hmm. the Dilliam White fight and it is a it is a different challenge to Anthony Joshua. I think if he doesn't knock mm-hmm. uh, Big Baby out within the first sort of three, four rounds and Big Baby's mm-hmm. coming forward and Joshua tires, then it could lead to some real interesting moments. But we'll leave that there. Um Very we'll good. move on to the preview part of the show let's start here at the Double Tree um, by Hilton Hotel in the Sheffield area in Yorkshire, United Kingdom one fight to mention, like I say Cash Alley, the man that's fighting David Price on March 30th. if he takes on a guy called Colin Goldhawk that's a fantastic surname, two and two that's a six round contest mm-hmm. there moving out now to the Kansas Star Arena in Kansas USA, um a Dimitri Salita show over here. It's going to be shown on Showtime this weekend. The unfortunate thing is that this is the I mean there's a couple cards that I'd like to see on TV, but it's the only card that's being picked up by a UK broadcaster. I believe Box Nation are showing mm-hmm. it. I think it's on the Friday. I think it's I think it's Friday. Um we will see over here topping the bill, if I'm not mistaken. Shajahan Urgachev, fifteen and zero, a real good prospect. I think he's got fourteen knockouts. He takes on Michael Fox, the young prospect, nineteen and zero. Friend of the show. Um, he's the guy that's a one forty fighter, but he's six foot three and a half He's a freak of nature, mm. Michael Fox. But um, I'd love mm. to see him win this. But I feel like he's really in the deep end here because this guy got a real uh, stacked amateur record, and like I say, his pro career has been nothing short of perfect. Uh, also on that card, we see. Jim Jesse Angel Hernandez 12 and 1 he puts his NABA USA Super Bantamweight title on the line against Britain's very own Thomas Patrick Ward not quite sure how he qualifies to fight for the NABA USA Super Bantamweight title but somehow he does um, he's only 23 years of age i believe Thomas Patrick Ward 25 and 0 He's had to do it without a big promoter behind him as well, and he's a good fighter. Not really the biggest puncher, but I wish him all the very best out there in the States. Moving out now to the Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota, USA. A top-ranked show. This one's going to be on ESPN. Um, We will see over here, friend of the... Oh, I was going to say friend of the show, not just yet. But we will be speaking um, pro- probably next week to Joshua Greer Jr., a young prospect, 19-1 and with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced. That's a 10-rounder there for the WBC Continental America's bantamweight title. Joshua Greer Jr., a very colorful character, a man that likes to bring a pillow with him to the weigh-in to let his opponent know that they will be going to sleep. Um, also on that bill, we will see Michaela Meyer, Nine and zero. She puts her NABF super, um, sorry, NABF female super featherweight title on the line against Yareli Larios. Thirteen and one with one draw. Also on the bill, we will see Derek Webster, um, twenty-eight and one take on Lennox Allen, twenty-one zero with one draw. That's a ten rounder there. But top in the bill, Rob Brent, twenty-four and one, the WBA world middleweight champion takes on Kassan Basangarov. Um, not gonna lie and say I don't know much about the guy, but he's 17-0, and it is Rob Brents. I think it's his first or second defense, and I think it's his first fight under top rank anyway. Good signing for those guys. Uh, moving out now to Belgium. I like to go pretty uh, pretty random with these previews. At the Hall Sport Della Praele, in a place called Herstow, we get to see Francesco Patera, 20-3, the man that uh, that took away Louis Ritson's O. Very unfortunate. Uh, he puts his EBU European lightweight title on the line against Marvin Petit. 24-1 and with one draw. That's a real good fight, by the way. Could go either way. Moving out to Germany at the Koblenz in a place called Rienland Pfauz. Um this is a sauland card, one fight or two fights to mention over here. We get to see anthony yigit twenty one and one with one draw take on Mohammed Khaladi um ten and seven with one draw that 's a that 's an eight rounder there and the more interesting fight Abbas barau good amateur, but anyway, a good fighter, 4-0, and undefeated, uh, he fights here for the vacant WBC international super welterweight title against former super welterweight world champion Carlos Molina, 29-10 and with two draws, Carlos Molina, a real good friend of mine, a fantastic guy, I wish him all the very best out there in Germany against a guy who's only 4-0, I mean, a loss to this guy is is... Is a terrible thing, really, I mean, not not just to mention, but Carlos Molina, of course, has got the losses to Josh Kelly, I think, who was six and zero, and that guy Solomon Sissoko we spoke about in the review part of the show. Um, he he, I think, was maybe seven and zero or five and zero. So he can't he can't keep losing to these guys that uh, are less than ten fights into their career, and um, you know, and expect big paydays or anything like that. Very unfortunate for Carlos Molina, but another fighter that hasn't been stopped. Very much similar to the likes of Ishe Smith, only that I think he's a much better fighter than Ishe Smith, and of course, the pair clash once upon a time as well well uh moving out now to the microsoft theater in los angeles california usa this one's going to be on fox lots and lots of boxing um being shown on the tv out in the states just not so much over here good good card this one by the way a few decent fights to mention omar Mm -hmm. figueroa jr 27 and 0 with one Mm -hmm. draw he was on last week's show i love this fight he's in a 10 rounder against john molina jr 30 and 7 big puncher john molina jr um I asked Omar, Eddie, about about um, John Molina. I said, what do you know about this guy? Uh-huh. And literally, his answer, whenever I say, do you know much about the guy? His answer is always, he just goes, nope. He doesn't know anything. Like He, <laughs> he doesn't watch boxing at all. Like Honestly, he was supposed to fight Adrian Broner last year, Omar Figueroa. The fight didn't happen. He hasn't fought since. He's been so inactive. His last win was against Robert the Ghost Guerrero. Robert the Ghost Guerrero wow. retired. Came back out of retirement and fought on the Fury Wilder undercard, or Wilder Fury undercard, since the last time um, Omar Figueroa has been in the ring. (laughs) So his opponent opponent retired, (laughs) came out of retirement, uh, boxed, and and yeah, he's probably looking at his next fight. And Omar Figueroa still hasn't boxed, but I think he's had a lot of issues outside the ring. But I said to him on last week's show, I said, oh, you know, Broner just lost to Pacquiao, a massive fight, did you watch it? And once again, his answer is, nope. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, all the very best to Omar <laughs> Figueroa. but a fantastic fight that one against John Molina Jr I had to inform Omar Figueroa that John Molina Jr can really punch so that's going to be interesting um Also on that bill for the IBF World Minimum Weight title, Carlos Licona, 14-0, defends the belt against DJ Creel 14-1 with one draw. Leo Santa Cruz tops the bill, 35-1 with one draw. His opponent was supposed to be somebody else, if I'm not mistaken, and he pulled out, so in-stepped Rafael Rivera, 26-2 with two draws. Not really the opponent that we want to see in the opposite corner to Leo Santa Cruz. I'd like to see him in some of the better fights that can be made in his division. Um, that's about it for that one. Moving out now to the final couple of bills to mention. This one is at the St. Petersburg Coliseum in Florida, USA. Um, it's an interesting one, this one, by the way, because we get to see Antonio Tarva Jr., of course, the son of Antonio mm. Tarva, 5-0. He's in a six-round contest against a guy who's two and ten. Hector Mercado. Nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, he's still learning his trade. But the interesting thing is, it's it's a show that's being promoted by Roy Jones Jr. Obviously, Roy Jones Jr. and um and uh, Antonio Tarver Senior had a few fights back in the day. I think two or three so um, it just seems pretty strange how Roy Jones is having a hand in um, in Antonio Tarver's son's career here by promoting the show so mm. we like to throw those facts out there um, and moving out now to the final bill to mention at the Mountaineer Casino Ballroom in New Cumberland West Virginia USA. One fight to mention over here Dusty Hernandez Harrison, a man with a record of 30 and 0 with one draw. He's in a 6-rounder because he's been out the ring for about 3 years. I'm not quite sure why he's been out the ring so long, but a friend of the show, nice guy, um he returns to the ring in a 6-rounder like I say against Ulysses Jimenez who's 23 and 23 with one draw. So it should be a nice easy touch there to get Dusty Hernandez-Harrison back in the mix. He was world-ranked with the IBF at welterweight back then. Of course, he's not in the rankings anymore. No one's even... Well, not many people even remember the guy... But, um, yeah, that's about it. We've tried to whiz through things as quick as possible there. We've brought you the review part. We've brought you there, the preview part. we brought you the first guest, and uh, we we also discussed the news. Just before we bring in the second guest, Eddie, I just want to thank you once again for partaking in this week's podcast. Obviously, you've done it time and time again. I feel like I've said that a million times. Thank you once again for saving the day. (laughs) Just have some closing words before we let you go and give us an update on what's going on right now in your life, in your crazy life.
1: (laughs) Man, well, you know honestly, man, I appreciate you having me on i mean you know i actually there's some some things I'm probably gonna be doing as far as in this in in the way of podcasts and different things like that soon myself, and maybe even I'll be jumping on with you, hopefully you know what I mean doing some things, maybe some collaboration
3: Definitely. uh
1: soon you know,' just gotta find different ways of um uh, you know being involved in the boxing if if i don't you know if I'm not fortunate enough to get a fight soon or fight another fight um you know it's gotta move on to bigger better things and i don't know i don't know if there's gonna be bigger or better but let's just say let's just say move on to other things <laughs> but as it stands right now i'm just training I'm, I'm i'm starting to spar i'm starting to get myself in uh you know good shape and, and a good mental place just to go back at it again if i possibly if i can i mean there's not a lot of you know a lot of guys out there that still believe that i can but trust me i feel as fresh as i ever have it's just a matter of getting the opportunity and um, somebody's crazy enough to get behind this old guy I'll be be ready to get back in there, you know what I mean? Uh, But as far as everything else, man, it's just staying busy, enjoying basketball (laughs) and enjoying my family and and things like that right now and, you know, with my friends and and, and other family and and just trying to, you know, keep a close relationship with them. And I don't want to say too much busier than I already am, but, you know, it's important to keep doing things. You don't want to, you know, sit back and do nothing. You know, that's boring. So... (laughs) That's it for me, man. And just, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing, Joe. You know what I mean? Anytime you need me, all you got to do is let me
3: know. Thank you very much, Eddie. Right, just before we wrap up part two, like I say, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBO European champion, ranked number 12 in the world at Super Featherweight. It is, of course, the sharpshooter, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, how's that for an intro? Yeah, on, mate. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure, Arch. So we last spoke just after your last fight, obviously, that win over Leon Woodstock. It was a great fight, and of course you boxed tremendously and picked up a points win. You were also able to drop him in the first round with a jab. Um, Despite the great performance, Archie, you truly believe that you were, uh, in actual fact, far from your best that night in Leicester, despite getting the win so comfortably.
2: Yeah, well look, listen, I put on a good performance, you know what I mean, and I did, and I got what we uh, what we went up there to do, and I got the win, um, and yeah, watching it back, mate, I'm like my biggest critic, and of uh, course my trainer, he's obviously admin from the 8th, uh, he's training from the, eight, the seven, um, so he knows me in and out better than anyone, so when we sat down together and watched it, he even said to me, hey, look, it was a good performance, and, and you won, and said, but come on, like we've seen... We know there's a lot, much there's, there's much more here uh, to come from, and and I totally agree with him. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, the better opponents that I do face, then the better um, show up show your soon.
3: So your next fight was set for March the eighth for at, uh, at, um, London's Royal Albert Hall. Obviously, you were supposed to be fighting the fellow undefeated prospect Lucas Blingel. Um However, of course, you've had to you've had to pull out. You've been forced to pull out due to an injury. Tell us about it, Arch. Yeah,
2: of course. Cool. So what well, it was like? Um, so basically, I was in sparring and I picked up a little niggle in sparring. Um, didn't think much of it. Thought I could just like carry on. Um, which I did, I carried on the sparring and asked the sparring about proper giving me some ag and playing up. So basically, so basically what I've done, you um, know, just give it the week and just see how I was. Uh, and then on top of that, i come down with consulitis as well It kept me out from the gym for another week. Uh, my injury is getting better as we speak. Uh, but like I say, I'm still not back in the gym. So, hopefully, this week I will be back in the gym doing ticking over doing bits and bobs, but even so, so the, the, the fights in what three or four weeks, um, I'll be I will nowhere near be ready uh, for the fight. So, I just yeah, it was a hard decision to make. Um, my team around me, I've got a good team around me, and they made uh, the decision for me because, like, typical boxer's ego now I can fight, I can fight, but you know what, sitting back now and there's, there was no chance of me being able to be fit enough to be um, to be 100%. And that's, and there's too much on the line. I can't risk my unbeaten record, my WBO, uh, all this hard work to get where we are, just for the sake of ego and a payday. Do you know what I mean? I need to be clever. Um, like I say, there's no chance of me. I should be sparring by now, doing 10 rounds, getting ready to, like, I'll be halfway through my camp. But, obviously, there's not nothing like that's happened. I've had two and a half weeks out of the gym.
3: Yeah, and I was going to say there, you you said it yourself, obviously, you didn't want to pull out. It was very much a team decision. They had to step in and make the right uh, the right decision. Now, I'm sure that you were gutted, Arch, because coming off a fantastic win, it's important, of course, to keep that momentum going. But by the time you do eventually get back in the ring, it'll actually end up being your biggest layoff in your career. Yeah,
2: 100%. At the end of the day, I want to be active. That's the whole reason why I'm in this sport. Um And I'm just gutted, mate. And especially being at the Royal Albert Hall and everything. And like I say, March, October was when I boxed Woodstock. So, yeah, it's going to be a long layoff. Um, I'd say at the minute I've just got to get myself fit and in shape. Um, And hopefully, I'm hoping to be out again in April. So it's not the end of the world. But we just have to see. Like I say, my health is more important. I've just got to get myself in tip-top shape, make sure there's no... um, niggles and make sure I'm 100% fit into the end of the day. Like I said, I'm in an important stage of my career now. I can't have banana skins. Um, So that's why everything's got to be 100%. And like I say, it's down to the team to make that final decision. Um, I've done as much as I can. eh? I went off to all to have x-rays and everything done. And like I say, it just won't. Everything happens for a reason. So we'll see what happens in April whenever I'm I'm out next. But I do believe it happens for a reason. So hopefully we'll see a positive from this.
3: And April, of course, being your your birthday month. We we shall see if there'll be a fight there. Sure. Um just just really like an update, um, Archer on on the actual injury itself. I mean, you you didn't I don't think you really said what it was. I mean, how sort of bad is it? Have you had to go and see someone, like a professional or whatever, or what is the situation?
2: So basically, um well it is so, right, sorry, I picked up the injury in sparring um and it was a bit of a niggle and um, well it is i went to the hospital to have x-rays done um thankfully there was no actual cracks or breaks. it was just very intense bruising severe bruising um which like i say even now still tender so if, if any shot lands on there at the minute it would really hurt but i'm having chirotherapy over in tunbridge there just to um help bring out the bruising and like, just got to rest. It's just one of them things. It's just one of them injuries that you can't do anything. It's just for the body to heal itself. Um, So, yeah, basically, that's all I've got to do, really. Just like I say, just keep myself nice and rested up, Um, get myself into these treatments and have these chiroid treatments uh, to help bring the bruising up. Um, And, yeah, basically, that's it, mate. It's just one of them waiting games now. So, like I say, I'm there. Where I am now to where I was two and a half weeks ago, I'm in a much better place. I'm doing, uh, I'm able to do a little bit more now. So, like I say, hopefully I'll be in the gym, like ticking over um, this week. So I'm on the mend and hopefully, touch with everything goes the way that I've got it planned
3: touch wood for sure now if you can return to the ring as soon as april how many times do you believe that you'll be in the ring um in 2019 because like i say last year you only had two fights uh you know this year you've got off to 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 a bad start with this bad luck with the injury but surely at this stage of your career you want to be having about four fights a year something like that like you was before when you were fighting every sort of three months or so yeah of course so
2: basically what my plan is like i say get myself fit um, I'll have to see. sit down with the team and work out what what they've got lined up for April. If I am out in April, um, get straight back into the ring. And like I say, I'm going to be coming for all the titles this year. So hopefully all the Super Super titles will be ready to put them up because but I ain't messing around this year. Like I say, I'm going to start a little bit later into the year at the minute. Like I say, hopefully April, if I think goes to plan, um, which is halfway, basically nearly halfway through the year. So as soon as I can get back in the ring, the better. I'm always fit anyway, all year round. So, um, yeah, the matter of fact of getting in there, shaking off a bit of sawdust and getting ready to rock sweet titles.
3: And I know that Frank Warren has done a good job to get Lucas Blingle another opponent. He will still be fighting on that, that March eighth date, but judging by the timing of obviously him fighting and you perhaps fighting in April, he's obviously not gonna be the next guy. Is that a you know, is that a fight that you'd like to have rescheduled down the line or is it not really you know, there's there's not really been much build up or anticipation or rivalry or much much stuff like that. Is it is it a fight you can see happening again or, or perhaps not?
2: Oh. Cool. So I can see the fight happening. In the end of the day, listen, like I said, I, I believe so. Just Lucas Ballingale's is a good kid, anyway. So if he's gonna be mixing around that scene, then we can no doubt we're gonna be in the um, in the ring having the fights. Um, the problem I've got at the minute is, like I said, I went to be boxing in March to have a good defense with Lucas Ballinger. Uh Like I say, eleven and zero undefeated prospect. That was my plan. Have my defense with him and then move on straight into big titles. Um, now I'm at a different situation. I'll be having a fight later on in the year than what I anticipated. I worked, so I wanted to be out in March, early March, obviously on the ape show. Um, now, if I'm out in April, back end of April, then I did, ideally I want to be jumping straight back in and getting into a title fight, ideally. Um, but like I said, I've got to speak to my team. If Lucas Bellingo is in the mix still, then yeah, of course the fight's going to happen 100%. Um, so yeah, it's it's just it's just unfortunate that, that this has happened. I do believe so as well that Lucas Ballingau was a name that was given to me for the Southern Area title when he couldn't have the fight either because of injury. So, um this fight has meant to happen before. Um and that's what led me on to the Woodstock fight. So yeah, so the fight is definitely obviously meant to happen and it will happen. It's just a matter of when. Uh, unfortunately he had an injury at the start, I've had an injury now. Um it's just epoxy. It's just this game, and it? it's just uh, the boxing game. Unfortunately, these things happen. So we'll just see. Like I say, just need to get myself fit and get myself back in the ring. For sure.
3: Now I went on your website today. It's actually a brilliant website: Um you've you've got some interesting pages and i found it quite enjoyable actually going through for for all the content so i just really wanted to say anyone that's listening that hasn't checked out the website go and check it out i mean it's it's it's, it gives quite a bit of a backstory and it's quite interesting i'm not just saying that because archie's on the line definitely check out that website um archie coming down to the final couple couple questions really um you're ranked on box as the eighth best super featherweight in Britain. Now in front of you there are another seven men at the very top, and understandably so is Scott Quigg. I mean he's probably the you know the the only guy kind of on that world level. He's only ranked there because he's moved up in weight now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, under him. Next in line at number two is Sam Bowen, obviously the undefeated British champion. After yeah. him, it's, it's James Tennyson, uh, Martin J. Ward, Ronnie Clark, Zelfa Barrett and Marco McCulloch. All those guys have got at least one loss. You're just behind them on the rankings um with, with, with of course your 14 and 0 perfect record are these are these the type of fights that you want perhaps at the back end of 2019 maybe early 2020 um are you looking at any anyone out of those guys in particular or not at all fill me in um right
2: so name so we're not really looking at uh, anyone in particular at the minute like I say i will come for the titles this year so whoever's got the titles that I want at that particular time will be the man I to box um like I said, there's some great fighters there. Um, in in them seven fighters, they're all good fighters. The super featherweight British, week British at the minute mean, is on fire. There's a lot of great fighters in, in, in my weight category. Um, but like I said, my main my main goal at the minute is getting fit, getting myself in the gym, getting myself back sparring, and then, uh, yeah, 100% we're coming for the titles, and it could maybe one of their names, um, in in the
3: mix. And finally, Arch, just before I let you go, have you got any closing words at all just to tell the listeners or anyone in particular just before we let you go? Say whatever you like.
2: Well, like I say, I'm excited that I'm not on
3: the 8th um, match at all, so I apologise to
2: all the fans who are looking forward to seeing the fight. But like I say, this is boxing and these things do happen, and I will be back very soon. And when I am back, I'll be making big statements. And yeah, like I say, so stay tuned. Everyone, check out my. By, um, my social media just to keep yourself updated and uh, I thank my team around me at the minute I've got a great team and they're all looking out for me for the best so 2019 I did say last year is going to be my year and I know this is a little bit of a hiccup but it still will be my year and still happening this year so yeah like I say just I uh, appreciate everyone's support as well all the nice messages that I have had regarding this injury and um, yeah I look forward to getting back in the on a good
3: show for you, also. Thank you. Excellent, man, and it's great to see you finally getting that recognition. Um, I see a lot of people praising you on social media. When you, you know, when it got announced that you were pulled off the card, there were a lot of people underneath that that tweets, you know, expressing their their um well, I, I guess their concerns and also you know just expressing a little bit of um what's the word i'm looking for perhaps disappointment that they won't get to see you fight which is fantastic um just before you you, you go arch give a shout out to your what is it your cousin who's a big fan of the podcast you can't not mention him <laughs> yeah
2: yeah like I say, he's uh he's got his t-shirt from you um and he's loving it he's, he's he's uh always keeping me updated we're always in contact anyway but yeah he loves it he's always listening and he's
3: keeping updated so shout out to my cousin george shout out to cousin george absolutely fantastic right arch just uh just before you go like i say i want to say it's always great having you on the podcast i hope that you heal up very soon i cannot wait to see you back in the ring and we'll catch up in the near future no doubt
1: yeah 100 percent. so thank you very much for, for having me on the show
3: Okay, and this wraps up episode 174 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show who weirdly share the same birthday. The former WBA heavyweight world champion, Lucas Brown, and the undefeated WBO European champion, Mr Archie Sharp. One piece of news that has broken since recording the show is that the twenty sixteen Olympic bronze medalist Philip Hergovic has signed a co-promotional deal with Matram and Sauerland. Um I I really like Hergovic, because I mean, like I say, he's 7 0, and in that time, he's already fought the likes of big, sexy Sean Turner, Tom Little, Amir Mansour, and Kevin Kingpin Johnson. He's kind of got that Joe Joyce kind of mentality in terms of wanting the big fights as soon as possible, and in fact, he's probably got more of a Joe Joyce mentality than Joe Joyce does. Not to mention, Hergovic is only 26 years of age, he's still a baby, rather than Joyce, who of course is in his 30s. But other than that, there's nothing else to mention. I just want to thank everybody for tuning into this week's podcast tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and we will be back next week with another big show as per usual until then take good care my friends